What's up? This is Jason from Death Therapy, and we're about to discuss metal. This is the Discuss Metal Podcast with Jason Wisdom of Death Therapy. Hosted by Dan Terry. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. I have the pleasure tonight of sitting down with Jason Wisdom of Death Therapy. How are you doing tonight, man? Hanging in there. How about you? I'm uh, doing pretty good. We're all uh, we're all healthy over here uh, in Missouri. <laughs> yeah, that's so, what counts. Yep, absolutely. Well, we were just in the news actually in Missouri. There were a bunch of people at Lake of the Ozarks uh, over Memorial yeah, Day weekend. Yeah, we were the ones that made the news. So that's yeah, uh, I saw that. Well, Georgia. I'm in Georgia, and we were the ones who the. Uh, headline was we were doing a human sacrifice experiment when we started reopening two and a half <laughs> weeks ago or whatever. So I guess we're all in the news. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, every, every state or every individual has their own way of dealing with this stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. We're all figuring it out together. Well, the cool thing that I wanted to talk to you about tonight was you've got a brand new single out, um, an instrumental single and, uh-huh. um, it is, uh, with Guardian Awakening, it's uh interesting. I, I was listening to it uh, a lot uh, today, and because you know, usually when somebody's like, "Oh, I'm releasing an instrumental song," I'm like, "Oh, okay," you know. <laughs> but uh, right. but whenever uh, whenever I actually heard it, there's a you got quite a bit going on with this one. So I guess um, you know what uh, what inspired you to put an instrumental? I, I guess it's going to be a series of songs. Cause I know you got another one on the way as well. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's actually a second one coming out um, on Friday this week, the 29th. Um, I don't know when this will air, but, but anyway, it comes out on the 29th. But um, point being, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a whole EP of instrumental stuff. So instrumental songs have always been a part of the Death Therapy, um, you know, catalog. There's at least, you know, at least two instrumental tracks per um, per record, and I've done two records. And um, <laughs> a lot of bands, when they do instrumental stuff, they'll either do like a, it's just be a soft, <coughs> excuse me, um, my allergies, it's not the Rona, but um, uh, they'll do like a soft, they'll do like a soft piano song or something, um, something totally different from their style. Um, and I just thought, you know, Death Therapy style is kind of like groovy, electronic, um, you know, metal, experimental metal. Um, I, I think it'd be cool to just kind of dive really hard into the ex- electronic elements and the, you know, push a little bit more in the, the dance, you know, EDM or whatever you want to call it, dubstep kind of direction um, <clears throat> for a few tracks. And yeah, so that's what I wanted to do. And, and that's what these songs are. But because they don't have any words, um, you know, I thought, well, I, I should do something a little special for these songs. And so I thought I would feature some of my favorite guitar players um, playing guest guitar solos because some people don't know this, but death therapy music doesn't have guitar on it. Like it's just my ba- my bass with distortion. So I thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to bring in, you know, for these songs. So it gives people something to look forward to, even if they're not really into the instrumentals. It's kind of like, oh, cool. Well, you know, Guardian Awakening, the song you mentioned that has a, so- a solo from uh, Daniel Gailey, who was who's in Fit for a King, and he was in Becoming Archetype with me, and he's in Phineas, so he's a well-known, you know, shredder. And then the one that comes out on the 29th has got Jack from War of Ages. Um, so you know, it gives people a little 
little icing on the cake hopefully and, and you know maybe they hopefully they like the, the songs as well so it's cool because when I, the first time i heard death therapy you know back when you're back when the first album came out um i remember being like yeah i know there's there's no guitar on here but uh i don't miss it you know or i don't really notice yeah. it. you almost don't even notice it when you're just listening and, and jamming out you know um because you're still hearing a loud distorted instrument you know so it <laughs> it, right. it serves the same purpose but um yeah whenever whenever i heard uh Whenever I heard Guardian Awakening, I was like, man, like it's it's weird the notable difference of hearing like some some guitar shred on these songs and just being something totally different than than what we were expecting. Right, totally. Well, I didn't just want to add I didn't just want to add guitar parts, you know. I thought if I'm going to add guitar, let's just go all the way, you know, and and feature some solos. Well, and one thing I've noticed too and, you know, you're not alone in this, but you know, you've been obviously much more active uh, on social media, you know, due to all of us being under a quarantine, some of us still are, some of us aren't anymore, but, um, you know, is, what has that been like as far as putting all of that stuff together, you know, cause you've got more videos that there's almost more death therapy content now than there has ever been in just a few short months. Um, has that been kind of motivating for you or has it been, yeah. is it still kind of the demotivation of not being able to go out and play these songs for anybody? Well, I mean, it has a lot to do with, um, you know, like a lot of artists, there's not, there's really no other option right now. Um, you know, can't go play concerts. So most of the festivals and stuff that were scheduled for June or early July have either canceled or been rescheduled. Some of them are trying to do stuff in late July, but um, I was already working on some new music, but, you know, my last record uh, didn't come out until it came out in, uh, I want to say it was April of 2019. So here we are. It's only May. It's only been a year. So most bands don't release a new album every single year. You know, they they kind of they go on like a two two album or two year cycle kind of thing. That's the tradition, at least. Uh, more people are starting to release more stuff more often. But I just thought, well, I'm kind of working on these instrumentals. I was kind of working on some other songs, and then all of a sudden the virus thing hit, and I. You know, both of my jobs went away. I'm a substitute teacher, um, but I also work at a church um, as a as a contract a worker, which means that when they're not having church meetings, I'm not there. So, and, you know, not getting paid. So, and then I mean, you could add to that my you know my my job is playing playing concerts and stuff. So yeah, I lost basically all of my 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 livelihood to the virus, and it you know doesn't look like it's coming back anytime soon. Maybe September. Some people are saying, but. Um, so I thought, well, I guess I'll just dive headlong into trying to, you know, write these two EPs and, um, started working on writing a devotional book as well. And, um, I've, you know, written a few things here and there that maybe will be even more content for, you know, you know I'm trying to learn how to do some things, you know, it's just that it's just kind of the nature of, you know, not having anything else to do. I've said, I've said to people for years, I said, well, if I just had the time and the money, um, to just do this all the time. I mean, I could crank out two, three, four, five EPs a year, you know, right. or uh, in, in all sorts of different genres of music. Um, so I guess I'm sort of you know, putting my, trying to hold myself to that standard here, see what I can do. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. And, you know, uh, like the rest of us, we've all got the time, maybe not so much the money. Um, right. But, uh, you know, so was that, I guess that was kind of your main thrust then as far as getting, getting these EPs kind of, kind of done and out. Was it just, was it kind of a way for you to possibly recoup costs from losing basically all four, all forms of income? 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm not a big enough artist that, you know, that I'm that I'm really going to make much money off of the, the stuff. But um, the instrumental EP is something that I produced, recorded, mixed, did it all myself, um, other than the guest guitar solos. So the cost on the cost on that is virtually nothing other than just my time. So hopefully if people enjoy it and they go stream it and they, you know, buy it and they, you know, buy the songs on iTunes or whatever, you know, hopefully that'll bring in, you know, even if it's just a few hundred dollars, um, that'll help, you know, my family keep the lights on and, and then working on the, the other stuff, you know, I've done some pre-orders and stuff. And so even though that money, that money will eventually have to go back out and be spent to produce the book or to produce the physical CDs. Um, in the meantime, it's, it's a little bit of, it sounds really lame to talk in terms of that, but it's like, it's liquid, it's liquid, liquid cash right. to be able to like get us through a few months. And then hopefully, you know, the economy gets back on the horse and, you know, as things stabilize, well, okay, I can pull that money back out from a different direction, you know? Sure. Um, so, so anyhow, yeah, that's a little bit too much information, but <laughs> that's all good. But yeah, just. Just trying to make just trying to make it work, you know. There's a lot of bands doing that right now. I think you know they're 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 doing live concert, you know, video type things, or they're um, you know they're recording lots of new music because they they can't tour um, and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, playing concerts and touring and festivals and stuff. That's where most bands make their money anyway, through selling T-shirts and CDs and you know vinyls in person and stuff. It's not really from the streaming or the you know CD online sales so much anymore so yeah and you've been you you've throughout your career in you know death therapy and even uh become the archetype before that you know you've always you've kind of been on the uh on the on the receiving end of so much music industry change um just in the past you know just in the past 20 years how you know your first band uh become the archetype you know, you guys probably still cared about CD sales and, you know, and, and all of that right. stuff, like moving, moving actual units. Um, and then obviously everything goes to streaming. And then now we're kind of in this really, we're still kind of in the streaming era, but it's like the streaming mixed with vinyl. Um, so I was just kind of wanting to see what your perspective was on, on, you know, you know, on all of that change and how you feel you've been able to deal with it over over the past few years yeah i mean it, uh, definitely it's changed a lot like you said i mean the first first becoming the archetype record came out in 2005 i want to say and in 2005 the music industry was still almost entirely cd based there was you know there was a little bit of the napster thing kind of looming in the air but it was not a huge thing people still bought if they wanted your music they'd buy it and and the the christian metal thing was actually kind of a hot Thing at the time and um, lots of bands were big in that scene and Solid State Records was a big deal so the fact that we were a new band that signed Solid State Records and I mean we sold you know tens of thousands of copies of that record that first record um, which is why to this day that's most people's favorite record is because everyone well, has by it the by, yeah, by the time we got two or three more records in people stopped buying records so much um, you know some people have kind of come around to the third, the third, which is my favorite, the third becoming archetype record, which is called Dichotomy. I think that's the best record. I agree. Um, I agree. People have come. People have come around over time, but my point is, everyone bought the first one, um, and actually, a lot of people bought the second one, um, just because of the. Anyway, point being, you know, <laughs> death therapy. Death therapy has not experienced that. You know, when it was when it was time to release the very first death therapy record in twenty seventeen. 
I was having to like prepare myself for really, really low numbers, like compared to what I had experienced before. It was like, this is probably not even going to sell a thousand copies first week. You know? Right. Whereas in, in the olden days of the early 2000s, you know, and prior, if it, you know, if it didn't sell 10,000 first week, it was, you know, I mean, it was not uncommon for a small indie band on Salt State Records to sell 10, 20,000 copies first week. Um, but nowadays, if you can sell 500 to 1,000 copies, actual units, that's pretty rad. And then, you know, you got to get the streams, you know, you try to get to 100,000 streams or a million streams or whatever people's goal. Go. My, <laughs> I'm still small timer, so I'm shooting for 100,000. If I ever break 100,000 streams on a song, I'll be like, woohoo, I made it, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's weird. As I'm just saying it's weird how things have changed. I just, the way I look at it is I could be really grumpy and I could be really, you know, an old guy who says that people don't buy music anymore. Blah, blah, blah. But I just think that's the nature of the way the world is. People don't buy TV anymore. People don't buy, or they, they don't want to pay for cable anymore, which is weird because I think we're going to come back around and people are eventually going to start, you know, bundling all their subscriptions again. It's, it's just going to be basically cable. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And music, music may turn out to be the same way, you know, but I think with music, it's not because people are so used now, used to being able to just go to YouTube and, and just listen to whatever new band has come out with something or go to Spotify and listen to it um, for free or to listen to everything for the subscription each month. Um, and uh, I hear iTunes may go away at some point. It'll just be subscription based. Yeah. So, you know, all of that kind of stuff, it's, it's just totally changed. But at the end of the day, I mean, if people like your music, then they're going to listen to it. And I think it's just harder to get in front of people than it ever has been because everything's so oversaturated. I mean, you know how that goes, right? I mean, yeah. Oh my how goodness. Many, how many people have a podcast? How many people have a radio show, especially during this quarantine? You know, I've seen thousands of people say, oh, I'm starting a podcast. And it's like, oh man, you know. I hate that for all my buddies who are working so hard on a podcast. You know? Yeah, that's rough because, like, I mean, you know, three years three years ago, I was one of them. You know, like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast, and everybody's great. It's like telling your, it's like telling all your friends that you're writing a book. It's like, dude, nobody wants to hear about your book until it's already right. written and in my hands. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and yeah, and that it can definitely be discouraging. Um, you know, for a music artist as well as with podcasting, because with podcasting, it's like you know, whenever you start, you just have to deal with like what you said, very low numbers. Like nobody, literally nobody is going to care. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to get the question? The whole, the whole question now with the, everything is, is how do you get it to people? How do you get it to get it in front of people? You know, I mean, if you're Joe Rogan and you have a podcast deal with Spotify, well, they put it in front of everybody, you know, and everyone hears it. And he also has massive famous celebrities on every time. But if you're just a new person starting up, even if you're even if your content is amazing, and this is the same case for a band. Let's, let's just say that you know this Death Air BEP of instrumentals is the most interesting and creative you know metal dubstep electronic music that's ever been made. Well, yeah, it doesn't make a di- it doesn't make a difference if I can't get it in front of people. Um, you know, so you, all you can hope for is that you know people will share it around grassroots and and it'll get to people and and then you know of course everybody and their mothers try nowadays tries to hit you up which this never happened in the old days but nowadays it's all hey you know if you pay me this much money i'll get you on this playlist and if you pay me this much money i'll you know mention you on my facebook page and you pay this much you know and it's like what really yeah you know for for an old school guy like me it's like oh no i mean i figure if my music's good people will listen to it but (laughs) i'm having to i'm having to learn no that's not how it works 
like you got if if your music's good then you should be willing to invest the money to get it in front of people you know or create the content or whatever so like you said tying this back together i've tried to create a lot more videos and a lot more you know content and other stuff because i realized if i don't the music just goes out there and sort of falls flat a lot of people checked out a lot of people checked out the first death therapy record and then they were kind of like okay cool i kind of know what this is now and so the second record just like totally bombed like like almost nobody like for to put in perspective and i'm not trying to like gripe but i'm saying to put in perspective the the instrumental single i just put out guardian awakening two and a half weeks ago it already almost has more streams than the most popular songs from the last record which oddly enough when i do polls of our fans who are actually engaged fans they're like oh those are my favorite songs you know they love the second record they love the second record and they love those songs but then the music industry at large just kind of was like, yeah, cool. We checked out the first record. It was kind of industrial. You know, maybe we liked it. Maybe we didn't. Okay, whatever. And then they moved along. The second record came out and it just, it just, it wasn't a thing. So I've got to, you know, this is my little pet talk for musicians or podcasters or whoever's out there. It's like, I've got to adapt and work harder. You know, if I believe in my music um, and I do, I love making music. I don't do it as a job, I do it because I love it and I don't know what else to do. You know, I don't have any other thing. I don't have another option. So, um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's my little take on how to, you know, I'm having to learn to adapt and, um, yeah. Do you think that, um, whenever you, uh, whenever you first started death therapy, that there was, that, that there might have been a, not a concern, but do you think that a lot of that success of the first record was largely tied into, people checking it out that were fans of your previous band and maybe either, I don't know, not finding finding, finding that it wasn't the same band, you know, or it yeah, wasn't think, the same so. product. I so. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think the first record got some attention because people were like, Oh, cool. And then they checked it out and they were like, yeah, it's not really becoming the archetype. And so then by the time the second record came out, which oddly enough, in my opinion, the second record has like at least three songs, maybe four that are very close. They're closer to becoming the archetype in some ways. Um, but by the time those, those songs came around, they were kind of, they were kind of over it. They were kind of like, yeah, that therapy is not like becoming an archetype. So then that leads to where we are now. And that's where I've decided, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to do what I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force anything. You know, I'm not gonna try to force death therapy to be more like becoming the archetype. I'm not going to try to force it to be more like what's cool on solid state records. You know, um, I'm just going to let it be what it is because the people who've come in and stuck around with death therapy or have come in the door in the last couple of years have largely done so because they kind of like that it's different. They like the electronic stuff. They like the weird, you know, they like that it's not, you know, breakdown, singing, catchy chorus, heavy blast beats, breakdown, catchy singing chorus, you know, um, metalcore or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go as hard as I can in that direction and, and, with death therapy, I never, I never tried to force anything anyway, but I do think with the second record, I thought to myself, well, I'll put a few songs on here that are a little bit more becoming the archetype. You know, the, the first single that we released from that one is a song called My Defiance, and it's very metal core. It's got like three big breakdowns in the song. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I didn't like, you know, force that, but looking back every time we play that song live, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that just doesn't, just not me, you know? I'm just not, I'm not that guy anymore. Um, 20 year old me would have been like, this is the heaviest song, you know, but 36 year, 36 year old me is like, 
I just need some groove and I need some, I need a cool little, you know, p- a keyboard lick and, and, uh, you know, something funky going on and that's what I want. And, you know, so yeah, I think that that's what happened. I think some people checked it out. They bailed out after that, but now people who've stuck around, I think are going to be here for the long haul and we'll see, um, if I can keep giving them stuff that they're interested in. So. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot like starting over in a way. Um, maybe if those oh, it, old it, it, fans it, it, aren't satiated, you, right. there's, there's new fans. It's total. It's, it's totally starting over, um, for, for the reason we just, I just said, but also because I was, I was gone from the music scene from 20, essentially from 2010 to 2017. So seven years in, in music is actually a long time. But seven years between 2010 and 2017, the whole industry and the whole world changed dramatically. So for me to come back, even if I had come back with a band that sounded exactly like Becoming the Archetype, there was going to be a huge drop off of people who don't even remember who Becoming the Archetype was right. or of, peop- of people who remember who Becoming the Archetype was. But now they've moved on with their life and, and they don't pay attention to that kind of music anymore or you know what I mean? Whatever else. So there's a whole new generation of like the people who are fans of Fit for a King and Silent Planet. I could walk into a room with a hundred of them and say, hey, do you know Becoming the Archetype? And, and like less than half of them would even have heard, which seems crazy because it's like, wait a second, that's one of the bands that was big on the record label, you know, a few years before you guys got big on the record label. But it's just different crowds, different time, different, you know, different generation, basically. Um, it's sort of like when I was when I was in Becoming the Archetype and we were touring and we were playing with, we did a tour, okay, for instance, we did a tour with Living Sacrifice, uh, The Showdown, and The Famine, right? Yeah. Well, the guys in The Famine were in one of my favorite bands ever, Embodiment, um, but most of the people that were out there at those shows didn't know who Embodiment was. Right. Um, you know, some not even weird. living sacrifice. I I remember seeing it. Yeah, and even li- yeah, and even living sacrifice was considered kind of like they were like the old guys on the tour, which is crazy to me. I love, I still love them to this day. They're one of my favorites ever. My point is though, um, I just did a cover song that somebody asked me to do of a of a Vengeance Rising song, which came out when I was five years old in 1988. Well, it was fun, and I did that song, and I'm I I have enough friends who were really really into that scene that I knew who they were. But my point is not even 90% of the BTA fans don't really know that know what vengeance rising, you know what I mean? And that's just, that's just one generation before BTA. And then, so my point being things change, they move along in a way. I kind of like it It's kind of like a fun challenge, you know, to start over. It's like, I'm building a band completely from scratch. I don't even tell people anymore yeah. when I post stuff online or when I ask for shows, I don't go, Hey, you know, I used to be in becoming an archetype. Half of them just look at me and go, who? Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. What good does that, what good does that do? I mean, um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to say becoming an archetype won't, won't ever have a reunion or something. I, who knows that I wouldn't say that door is completely shut forever, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that therapy is a new thing. It's different. Uh, you know, maybe it'll work, but the, the fun part about it and the cool part about it is that I set it up to be something I can do on my own and, because of that, I won't ever have to worry about the band breaking up. Right. Um, so I could essentially, you know, sort of like Trent Reznor with Nine Inch Nails. You know, I mean, is Nine Inch Nails ever going to break up? I mean, no. Not as long as he wants it, to do it. Yeah. Not as long as Trent Reznor wants to make music and call it Nine Inch Nails, you know. Um, so that that's kind of my goal with Death Therapy. 
not to be the not to try to be the Christian alternative to Trent Reznor, but I'm just no, saying, no, and that door that door is kind of there. I mean, my my musical heroes are people like Trent Reznor, Devin Townsend. They're these kinds of people who are you know they just they just kept making music even after quote unquote their prime, and it's still amazing, and I, I, people love it, you know. So no, that's awesome, and I and. One of the questions I had too, you know, with you with death therapy being on solid state, um, and you had talked about this a little bit on Facebook, but I'm not going to lie, I just skimmed through it because uh, I was busy when I was reading through it. And, and, yeah, well, and you also know how, like, if you start to read a Facebook comment and then one of your buddies walks up to you and says something, and then you put your phone in your pocket and then you look back it up and it's like, oh, I'm never going to find that post again. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, you were talking about how your your new EP, the instrumental EP was basically just going was basically just released by you um right is that does that mean you're still with solid state or you're no currently i'm not with solid state so for people who don't know how record contracts work you know record label will sign you to a certain number of albums um and then when you fulfill that you're you know you can if they're interested they'll renew you your contract for a certain number of whatever you know it's just like an athlete you know what i mean certain number of years um seasons or whatever so my, uh, I, you know, I did two albums. That was my deal um, with them, and uh, and, and I, I've, I've I've talked to them about this new stuff, and and I'm not going to say that that it's not possible that the next EP, the one that has vocals and stuff, that one might come out on Solid State um, if they're interested. Um, but when this coronavirus thing hit, I kind of had to put some put some things into motion quickly, and. Um, if I had waited, um, all of this content that people are seeing in these songs that are coming out right now that are keep giving me a little momentum, that stuff may still be just sort of sitting on the shelf um, with the record label waiting until, oh, well, we think you know, we think we'll have a good window to release this in September or something, you know. Sure. Record label record labels don't move quickly. They have other bands to deal with and they have other things. But if it's just me, I just said, hey, you know what? Let's start putting these songs out. <laughs> yeah. Let's let let's let people hear them. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and you know manufacture the CDs, and I'll start mailing them out as soon as they get here. You know, uh, it's a little bit more free, it's a little bit more risky and crazy. Um, but during this crazy, risky, you know, coronavirus mess, I thought, well, I'm just gonna go for it, and it'll really be a treat anyway. Just mainly for the for the super fan kind of people who who are into it anyway. I think I think some people who are a little bit more on the periphery of of being fans are kind of like, yeah, okay, instrumentals. I'll wait until you give me something else with vocals. I, you know, these are fine and all, but it's not really what I'm looking for. You know, it's just biding. They're just biding their time and waiting. Um, but I think some people though, for them, this is a really special kind of like, you know, thing that, that they're going to get during this, uh, you know, lockdown thing that they would not, I don't, I'm not going to say it wouldn't have come out otherwise, but I feel like the, the lockdown, pushed me into a corner where I created a lot of instrumental content. So, yeah. And you know, I think, I think you're right for, for there's going to be that guy that bought or girl that buys the, you know, gets the physical version sent to them from you personally. And, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say you do sign, sign to a new label or you go back with solid state or whatever, and they decide to put those songs out, you know, again themselves or whatever. And it becomes not as, uh, not as special. You know, and um, right. the other, the only other example I can think about with that is uh, when Project Eighty Six left uh, Atlantic Records, 
Um, and they put out their, they put out their next album completely independent and then they got picked up by tooth and nail and <laughs> they re-released it, you know, but like me, me and my buddies are still like, oh yeah, but I've, I've still got the original version of that. So there, right, totally. there's definitely a, there's definitely a fan connection there. And, um, I think it's cool though. I mean, like whenever I'm on Facebook, it's, I, I, I see, you know, a death therapy update. I see a, you know, um, I mean, we're friends on Facebook, so I see your personal updates too, but, um, but yeah, you've been very, very prolific online and in a lot of ways kind of leading a charge on, on this kind of stuff. But, um, to speak to other types of music too, um, there's something, uh, that I wanted to ask and I don't remember, um, how long or if this is even something that happened, but, uh, I was, uh, I was talking to clank the other day. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, I remember a long time ago, uh, this is probably a couple years ago now that I think about it. Uh, but Clank was on, um, he was on the, as the story grows podcast and they were asking and Travis asked him, he, he was talking about death therapy and you guys, he was talking about like, oh yeah, I'd love to collaborate or something. Did you guys ever end up making any plans to do any collaborations together? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it and working on something working on something you know it's there's it's not nothing's done but it's it's definitely we've we've sent some stuff back and forth and we're working on some stuff so that's definitely going it's definitely going to happen at some point um and uh yeah i mean i love he and i get along great you know and, and i like the music that he writes and that pat writes and um so yeah i think i think we'll uh We'll have something at some point, but you know, nothing definite right now. No, that's cool. I, he, whenever him and I were talking, I think, I think my interview with him went for, it went for much longer probably than this one will go. Cause that one was like two hours long, but, um, he had a lot to uh-huh. say and I wasn't going to stop him, you know? So, yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he had just mentioned somebody that he was collaborating with and I was just in the back of my head, like a little bell went off and I was like, I need to add, you know, <laughs> I need to find out more about that, but, um, no, that's cool. That's definitely something to look forward to. But, um, so, I mean, obviously any, any tour plans that, that were made are, are gone. Um, you know, you being a little bit more inside baseball on the, on the industry, what, what kind of projections are, are people making as far as when people will be able to start getting out on the road again? Uh, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think that that it's it's very possible that we'll start seeing some festivals and things happening in July. So, yeah, I mean, I think th- I think it's totally. I think it, yeah, I think it's totally possible that that it's not going to last that much longer. Um, you know, unfortunately, it canceled a lot of bands' tours that they already had for the spring. I can cancel everybody's tours for the spring, but I'm just saying. Uh, hopefully, we won't. Hopefully, we won't see a resurgence of this thing in the fall that causes another lockdown. Because then that would be brutal for bands who, you know, they've pushed all their plans for the year into the fall. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't. I really don't know. I really don't know any more than anybody does when it comes to that. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I was. Well, I'm always wondering, and my biggest thing is I've already got like tickets and hotel and stuff for the Furnace Fest that was, uh, <laughs> that's still, I mean, it's still technically supposedly happening, but I just don't see it, um, with the, you know, with the amount of, uh, I, I've heard, I've got, cause I ask everybody that question now about like, well, what is, you know, what's the projected date? And I always get a lot of different answers. You were safe about it. And you're like, well, we'll see. But, uh, <laughs> um, some people, yeah. some people have said 2021, some people have said, you know, 
probably you know probably not until fall you know that sort of thing so i'm i'm just worried about that festival especially getting uh getting postponed or or something like that just because of how big of a deal uh in the lineup and everything and uh then that was another question i had for you uh was that ever did you guys ever have any interest in doing that or um did anybody you know anybody even talk to you about it i uh i tried to approach them <laughs> You know, like a lot of bands, I'm sure I tried to approach them, uh, but no, I never got in. I never had any luck with that, and uh, and was not approached. No, not for not for BTA or for death therapy um, stuff. And and you know, I mean, that kind of makes sense. The bands that they're going with are you know are humongous artists, and uh, and you know, I would be just thrilled. You know, I even considered at one point. I heard that you could pay like five thousand dollars to play um an early slot or something you know you could like buy your way in and i just i considered it i thought about it you know but i'm just not i don't have that kind of cash laying around (laughs) yeah right i mean yeah i I hear that no it's definitely something that i you know and i'm with you we we tried hard to get like press and stuff like that but i don't even know if they're doing press uh officially for it or or any of that but that that's neither here nor there but uh you know i i think I, i think one of the coolest aspects of death therapy to bring it back, uh, on, on, on to you. Uh, one of my favorite things about death therapy is the, um, the dipping into the, let's say nostalgic video game, uh, genre. (laughs) Retro games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that something that, that you're doing just because you think it's cool or is it just, is it something that you have a personal, uh, connection with as far as retro, retro game? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love when people ask, what are my, what are my musical influences? I mean, a lot of my musical influences come from playing a lot of video games. Um, and I love, you know, the classic uh, video game music. There, there, there is one of the instrumentals uh, that's on this coming up. I mean, all these instrumentals have an element of the gaming retro kind of vibe, but there's, there's one in particular uh, that's called cheat code 87. And, um, and it's very like arcade video game, uh, nostalgia kind of thing and yeah i mean i just love that kind of stuff so i thought well why not why not make that sort of a part of what i do i mean i'm already being i'm already doing electronic stuff uh anyway so you know so yeah yeah i've been wanting to ask you that question ever since i saw the bta video for i think it was magnetic sky where you guys were yeah, all totally. in an rpg you know <laughs> uh, totally totally do you still do you still retro game now uh you know a little bit i played i actually played some uh uh <laughs> played through with my kids tonight, we have played through. I played through um, Kirby's Superstar Saga, um, like just a, one of the one of the little you know things in that one of the little games, mini games, yeah. Um, with the kids, yeah, it was pretty fun. So, so yeah, I mean, we just just you know we play a little bit of that. The kids like to play uh, play Animal Crossing, and the kids like to play some Zelda and other things. Um, so we play a little bit of new games, a little bit of old games. I really like uh, current games too. I mean, I'm not, but I don't play a lot of like the popular current game. I, mean, I guess I take that back. Animal Crossing is insanely popular. But I was going like, to say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess what I mean is I'm not, I don't play Call of Duty. I don't play uh, Fortnite or whatever. I mean, I've never gotten into those, those games. Yeah. Um, I, I play the stuff that I think is fun. I play, I loved Hollow Knight. That was one of my favorite games ever. Uh, I played that recently. I'm, I'm playing a game called Celeste. Which is is like a retro kind of platformer. I love it; it's amazing. Um, so yeah, I tend to go more for the retro. The only like 
I guess you could call like modernish game that I've played recently is like uh, Dragon Dragon Quest Eleven. Oh, you're you're kidding me! That's awesome. I was just playing yeah. that last night. I I felt uh, s- I enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was fun. I've always liked the Dragon Quest games. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, video games is I I don't need I play them. I play maybe twice a week. You know, tops for like a, a thirty minutes at a time. Same, nowadays my same. kids my kids play more than i do but uh um yeah i love playing video games to me you know it's, it's a lot of fun so oh that's awesome no it's cool it's do you play any game like do you have any older like retro systems or is it all just kind of well, like the stuff you can get i you know you can get a lot I, of those games on newer consoles now too yeah i used to i used to and then i sold them because people started paying a lot of money for classic stuff so I was able to get like, you know, $800 for a box of NES cartridge games, you know, that I wasn't playing anymore. So, right. um, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't have them anymore. We, we still have a Wii and we still have a Wii U that has all the Wii stuff on it. And we have the, you know, the virtual console stuff that I paid for back in those days. And so that's a lot of the retro stuff. But then also the Switch, you know, has the subscription thing. Um, the Nintendo Online, which is like you know pretty cheap, and that gets you access to some Super Nintendo, and you know, and I can say that I was playing that with the kids tonight, playing some Kirby, and uh, yeah, playing some Mario, and they they love that stuff. So very cool. It's 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 always good to talk to a fellow adult that that also enjoys playing games from our childhood <laughs> as well as new ones. It's funny. I was trying to play that Dragon Quest game last night, but I was so tired. I ended up because I did another interview that that went on for a long time, and I um, uh, it was Joe from Lightworker. That's I was trying to like who did I talk yeah. to last night? But I talked to him for so long, and then I I went to like I was like oh I'll play a game for a few minutes. I start playing and you know killing slimes left and right, and then before I know it, it's morning, and my six year old's downstairs being like, "Dad, you have to get up to go to work," and I was like, uh, "Okay, yeah. thank you." <laughs> totally. So. But yeah, well, um, we're not going to go that long. I actually uh, no, no. I I, <laughs> I I'm, have to go here pretty soon. But yeah, no, I'm closing I'm, it down here. Joe has the advantage that he's another hour behind you. I have the disadvantage of being it's already nine fifteen here. So right, he's two hours behind me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. He's two hours. He's he's in he's in California. Yep. Wow. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you know, you guys have a song coming. Um, called Terra Inferma with mm-hmm. uh with Jack Daniels from uh, Hope for the I'm sorry War of Ages uh used to be in Hope <laughs> for the Dying. Um yeah. and uh yeah that's that's looking cool. I've watched the teaser a few times for you know all 12 seconds of it. And uh-huh. um it, it'll definitely probably be out before or yeah, it'll it'll definitely already be out by the time uh by the time this podcast posts. So go check that out if you haven't checked it out yet. <laughs> Yes, please do. Uh, people, I don't think people understand. See, see, I'm, I have a lot of fans who are my age, right? Um, and people my age, I've noticed, they're like 50-50 on the streaming thing. So, like, half of them are like, no, I hate streaming. That, it doesn't pay artists anything. And I love those people, right? Because that, they're like, I got to buy the, you know, the physical, the vinyl. The, you know, and I'm like, I love you. Please buy the physical. Please buy the vinyl. But the problem is that means half of my half of my fans for the music never stream the music at all, which means my streaming numbers are usually like half of what any band my size would have, which is which is pretty terrible. Like like it, it makes it look bad. Um, and you people might say, who cares? I mean, you're selling records, then why do you care? Well, the streaming thing. This is what people need to understand. Streaming is kind of like the new radio. So. 
like back in the day, if you got your song played on radio, that was a big deal, right? Um, and you could get exposed to new fans and get new opportunities. Well, nowadays, if you get streams, you could get on playlists, which are like radio stations. But if you don't get streams, it's like if your if your Spotify is just empty, nobody goes there. Um, not only do does the industry look at it and go, these guys are nothing, but then you never get discovered by those millions of people who are on Spotify, you know, and the algorithm is telling them, hey, check out Death Therapy. That doesn't happen for us. Um, so, so not to complain, but to tell people, hey, if you go stream our songs, it really does help because people, will, I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of times I think people think, oh, well, it doesn't really help them very much. You know, it really does. I've learned, especially, you know, as an old school guy in the new school era, it does help. I mean, just like, you know, if you got a podcast and people go download it, that helps. Like, I mean, if people may think, well, it's, you know, we're not making any money. I don't get how it helps. Right. But it helps. You know, it does. <laughs> oh, it definitely helps. Cause like, I mean, on the podcast side, once you hit a certain number of downloads, you can start, you know, like if I, if I, let's say I was getting a hundred thousand downloads per episodes, I'm nowhere close to that. But if I was, um, then I could, I would, I would have stopped mid conversation and been like, let me tell you guys about these razors I've been using, you know, like, exactly. and, and, and that, so that, <laughs> that's a way. Advertisers. Exactly. So, you know, that's, that's the goal for any podcast and for, uh, you know, and for musicians, it's the same thing where, you know, you can, you, you once razors, you have those yeah. numbers, it's, it's, well, it's a perfect, um, I want razors, the, yeah. the razor deal. There you go. It's like mid, right middle, in the middle, right in the middle of my song. I'm just going to stop and be like, let me tell you about these razors that I, this, uh, food box that sends you snacks to your door. Right. Now, you know that that's going to happen eventually, and that's going to be terrifying. Well, I think that's but, why a lot of bands do merchandising. Like, I think it was Lamb of God just put out a beer, like a non-alcoholic beer, which is kind of weird. But, yeah. um, but then yeah. you, all, you see all these bands putting beers and, and different types of merchandise, like off the, kind of off the beaten path merchandise. And, um, and I think it's very much the same thing. They can partner with a bigger brand and like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh all right man, well in wrapping up, I'm going to I'm going to hop off of here, but uh I just wanted to yeah. thanks thank you so much for taking the time out and kind of updating at the very least our listeners. If anybody follows you totally. on Facebook, um you know, they are they're already up to date, but uh, like I said, it was too long didn't read, so I was like I'll just call Jason and ask <laughs> him ask him questions and get answers that, that everybody else knows but me. So <laughs> That works perfect and you get to hear me rambling about different things, you know, shouting at the sky. There it is. Man. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, yeah. hopefully everybody stays off your lawn. And, yeah, uh, stay off my lawn. <laughs> we hey, will, but, uh, you know, here's the thing. There's got to be at least some of your listeners who they really, they think death therapy maybe, maybe they checked out before they thought it was kind of cool, but they didn't like the screaming. Well, instrumentals is perfect solution. Or maybe, maybe they, you know, maybe they, here's, this is a weird thing, but a lot of people my age have, small children i've totally found that the kids love the like instrumental dance kind of stuff um so maybe it could become like a thing maybe like you know dad dad metal dance party music or something i don't know <laughs> we, can make, we can make it happen for sure hey so there's got to be some market share there somewhere that's not being tapped into absolutely there's only one kids metal band that i know of and they're from finland and they don't sing in english and they dress up like dinosaurs that's... um that sounds amazing. If you, they're called Heavy Saurus. Uh, they're, but like I said, they're from Finland. But I, you know, I mean, there's just that's just one. <laughs> there's got to <laughs> be some room somewhere for me to squeeze into the heavy metal dad market. So 
that is uh that is something that I'm gonna have you follow up the next time we talk and be like, so how are we doing on this on this dad metal thing? Yeah, totally. Sweet. All right, man. Well, you have yourself a great night, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Sounds good.